Welcome to Becoming Boundary, the podcast that teaches you how to say yes to the space you need and the connection you crave. I'm your host, Krista Resnick. I'm a master life coach and boundary expert for women. I'm also a sought-after speaker and mother to three adultish sons. It wasn't that long ago that I was a boundary disaster. My time never felt like my own. I couldn't set a boundary and speak my truth. And my most important relationships suffered greatly. Fast forward to today and I've successfully coached thousands of women to heal from their people-pleasing patterns and step into true freedom and confidence. I created Becoming Boundary to help you do the same. Be sure to tune in for tips and tools from me, interviews with other incredible coaches and therapists and speakers, plus one-on-one live coaching calls and so much more. If you're ready to start setting healthy boundaries so you can create the space you need and the connection you crave, then you're in the right space. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Becoming Boundaried. I have a very special guest for you today, and you're going to really enjoy this conversation. But before I dive in and introduce her, I want to give you a little bit of announcements. So last month, we did my Build Better Boundaries workshop for the first time. It was absolutely beautiful to see all of the shifts and all of the women just show up so powerfully for themselves. Boundaries are such sacred work. And truly, I believe that when we can dive into this beautiful, beautiful boundary work, it it really... It impacts every single area of our life. There's no area, there's no aspect of our life that is not improved upon or not up-leveled in some way. So I want to invite you, if you missed it last month, we're doing it again this month, April 12th, 5 p.m. Central Standard Time, Build Better Boundaries is happening again. This will really help you to gain the clarity and confidence to create life on your own terms. Link will be in the show notes. Cannot wait to see you there. So speaking of creating clarity and confidence, today's guest, Jen Walter, is a confidence coach for professional women. She spent 25 years in corporate. And after that, she finally found the tools to overcome her personal confidence challenges. She grew from an insecure, people-pleasing perfectionist with social anxiety into a confident woman who goes after exactly what she wants. She creates life on her terms. Jen loves helping her clients get out of their own way, step into their awesomeness, and create the career and life they dream of. And she is here to help you up-level your confidence too. So friends, let's dive in to this episode with Jen Walters. 
on cultivating confidence. Welcome, Jen, to the podcast. I'm so honored to have you here with me today. Thank you, Krista. I'm excited to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Absolutely. I know that the listeners are going to be so jazzed about this topic of confidence. You see it everywhere on social media, how to be more confident. I'm struggling with my confidence. And so we're going to get to dive deep into all the things about confidence today. But I thought where would be a really fun place to start? I'm actually really curious about, there's so many different directions that a coach can take in today's industry. So many niches. Why confidence? How did you land on the niche of confidence? For me, it was never a question because it's really what I struggled with pretty much my whole life. I, um, I worked in corporate for over 20 years and my managers were constantly telling me, you need to speak up more. I was very quiet. Like that was the main word that people used to describe me. You're quiet. (laughs) And really it's because I had a lot of self-doubt and lack of confidence. And it just, it was something I struggled with forever. And finally I found a podcast actually that had tools that were coaching tools is from a life coach. And I saw like, Hey, we, now there are some tools that can actually help me. I kept, you know, I finally felt like I found the how I felt like I found the secret of the universe (laughs) and it started working for me. I mean, I was a people pleasing perfectionist. I had the social anxiety and I've let go of 90% of that. It's still a continuing journey, but I just, I felt once I felt like I felt more confident, I felt like the world of possibilities just opened up for me. And I really would love to see other people have that experience as well, to release all that anxiety and see what they could go for if they really got out of their own way. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. How, how did you know, Jen, what were some of the symptoms that you experienced that, that really helped you to understand, I need to work on my confidence. So you mentioned the not speaking up, being very quiet. Was there anything else? People were always telling me, well, you just need to be more confident. And I would get so frustrated. I'm like, okay, but how, um, I would, I felt this constant anxiety. Like I'd sit in meetings with people and I'd have an idea, but I'd be afraid to share it. And then someone else sometimes would share the idea. And I'm like, and everybody's like, Ooh, that's a great idea. And I'm like, damn it. I should have said that. Yeah. I'm con- I was constantly replaying conversations in my head and telling myself how I should have done this differently, or I could have done that better. I'd reread my emails multiple times before I sent them. And even sometimes after I sent them to try to find like, oh, I made a mistake. Like all those things like were constant, constant anxiety that I was living with. And it just felt awful. Yeah. must've been very draining, very taxing on your system. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that you have, I don't want to say healed because I don't necessarily believe, as you said, I, I love that you said 90%. I love that you share that because I say all the time, it's a journey. I still work, done a lot, a lot, a lot of work. And I would say to your point, I'm about 90%, but those people pleasing codependent parts of me still flare up. You know, I want to step onto somebody else's side of the street Mm -hmm. and move into my, my fixing pattern, which is ultimately control, right? Or I don't want so-and-so to think that 
I'm not a nice person. So I really should acquiesce and say yes to this. So it's just a constant journey. And I think there is no finish line. And often when I share that with folks, you see the relief Mm -hmm. because there is no such thing as healed. It's just this beautiful journey. Earth is just a school of lessons and learning and opportunities to just keep expanding. And it doesn't mean that we have to constantly exhaust ourselves looking for more, going deeper, looking for more. But I think it's an opportunity to just continue to just explore what comes up, what surfaces in a really gentle and loving way. Absolutely. I'm all about enjoy the journey, not just go for the destination. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. So I think a really good place for us to start, Jen, would be what is confidence? That's a juicy how do you, question. How do you know when you're not confident? Um, you'll see a lot of symptoms. You know, you'll see a lot of the things that I talked about. You'll see a lot of that anxiety, that questioning your own decisions, the um, not honoring your own truths of what you want, not being able to rely on yourself. So when I define confidence, there's really two kinds of confidence, first of all, that I like to separate. There's the confidence that I can achieve something or the confidence that I'm going to be good at something. For example, like I might feel confident in this conversation with you. I might feel confident that I can walk down the street. <laughs> like, like there's things that we are very confident that we can do well. And even, you know, I've been walking for 50 years. So even when I stumble over the sidewalk, cause it's uneven, I don't lose confidence in my confidence in my ability to walk because I have so much evidence that I can walk. So that kind of confidence often comes from that experience, that evidence that we have that we can be successful at something. But when there's something you want to do, you've never done before, you want to take a risk, that kind of confidence isn't going to help you. That's when you need the self-confidence, that confidence in yourself as a person that you can go forward and try things. And even if you fail, you're going to be okay. And I can break that down even further. And like, there's building blocks of that, but I'll pause here first. Yeah. Yeah. I, what, what's coming up for me is I just, I do actually want to go deeper into that, but I'm giggling because I'm thinking about my middle son played basketball in high school. And I think it was his senior year. They were doing sort of a parent son bonding activity with all of the players. And as parents, we were required to go out onto the court with our kids and do all of these goofy, weird things, you know, these drills and shoot hoops. I'm a pretty confident gal, but I will tell you, I was, I felt so unconfident and silly and just goofy. And I continually had to remind myself of just staying in the present moment remembering that this didn't define who I was. Yes, maybe I'd look a little silly, but it didn't have to dictate my level of overall confidence and and what I felt about myself. So is that Mm -hmm. kind of what you're talking about? Is that, would that be a good depiction a little bit? Absolutely. That willingness to go up there and look goofy or silly or whatever, and know that that doesn't change who you are as a person and your worthiness and all that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So let's go deeper Yes. into the definition of confidence then. Yeah. So, so self-confidence, I break it up into three building blocks and, it, and so far I've never been able to find anything to break this definition. So, but I'm always exploring new opportunities there, but 
I break it into three pieces. There's the self-regard, which is what you think about yourself. Like, do you think you're a good person? Do you think you're smart? Do you think you're capable? Like all those things. The second piece is self-trust. And I even break that down further. I break it into, do you believe you can rely on yourself? And then do you believe in that you're trustworthy in terms of like, can you care for yourself? Can you be honest about what you truly want? Like, can you confide in yourself, right? So those are the two pieces of trust. And then the third piece of self-confidence is the willingness to feel any emotion, not just the good stuff, but the bad stuff too, knowing that you can handle it. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I think a whole separate podcast we could probably record (laughs) is this concept of toxic positivity in our culture today and why the goal is always to be happy. (laughs) It's not a thing. Yes, it's nice. It feels good to be happy, but just to your point, staying with yourself, being Mm -hmm. with whatever feeling arises. I love that, Jen. It's so powerful. Yeah. And that's one I'm still working on quite a bit. I kind of, I kind of worked on them in order, the self-regard, the trust. Now I'm working on like stretching my comfort zone and being willing to do the things that are scary and being okay with it being scary. Yeah. Yeah. I love, I love these. So Mm self-regard. Self-trust, which is one that I see a lot of women, well, really all of them, right? But self-trust is the one that immediately when you said that I felt something in my body. That's one where I struggled heavily in that department. Sometimes still, you know, Mm -hmm. in the social media world that we live in, we can get on Instagram or wherever we're hanging out and we can see another coach or therapist or healer or whatever doing these amazing things. And immediately we begin to doubt our capabilities and gifts. But that is one that I deliberately really had to, to work on and lean into because I, I don't know that I hardly had any self-trust at one point in my life. I was taught and not, not intentionally taught. Like nobody ever told me you need to trust the experts or the people outside of you, but it was just a conditioning, a misunderstanding a limiting belief that I bought into it somewhere along the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think a lot of us have lost trust in ourselves over time and it takes time to rebuild that. So that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. So if somebody out there is listening and they're really struggling with self-trust in particular, where would they even start? What's a small action step that you would recommend? I like how you talked about small action steps because yes, It needs to start with small things. You need to start creating evidence that you can trust yourself. And I'd like it with being very small steps. Like, for example, saying, okay, I don't always brush my teeth every night. I'm going to do it. And then not just do it, but then actually really acknowledge that you did it. Like celebrate the fact that you did it to like recognize that part. Because a lot of times we just do things and we, you know, just move on to the next thing. It's really important to recognize when you follow through on the commitments you make to yourself, it can just be like those little tiny micro goals that you make. Yeah. Celebrating yourself, Mm -hmm. sitting in the energy of that and not just quickly moving on to the next thing. Yeah. I think what's coming up for me, Jen, around this particular self-trust is the internal boundary aspect. Absolutely. Really being in integrity with yourself and setting those internal boundaries to connect all parts of who you are and not self-abandon. Mm-hmm. Does that seem accurate? Oh my gosh. Yes. Yeah. We've, 
a lot of times we've internalized the negative talk that we hear from others and we start to say it to ourselves. And so sometimes we need to like create a boundary. Like I'm not going to talk to myself that way anymore. I'm not going to talk to myself in a way I would never talk to somebody else. A lot of us have, you know, internalized this negative self-talk. Like I suck. I'm fat. I'm, I hate my thighs, whatever. Right. Yeah. Instead of being kind to ourselves, because we would never say those things to other people. We would never want them to say those things to us. And that relationship we have with ourselves is just the most precious thing we have. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. So Jen, what stops us? What is the block from really standing in our truth, being authentic? being and feeling confident? I think it's something that happens very gradually as we grow up. So I like to imagine like a little kid dancing, like a four or five-year-old dancing. Like they have no self-consciousness whatsoever. They have no rhythm. They're just, their arms are flailing, but they are having so much fun. They are filled with joy. They are not self-conscious at all. Like as little kids, we don't have this issue with confidence. Yeah. And then gradually, as we grow up, we start hearing how other people speak to us or treat us. Like as kids, we're getting a lot of feedback because we need to learn how to act in the world and how to behave and what's considered acceptable behavior in our society. Um, And then kids, of course, have no filters, so they're mean to each other. And so all those little dings create these little, little, um, little T traumas that start to hit our confidence and start to erode our confidence. And then gradually we start to internalize those things because we don't like people rejecting us. And so our brain tells us, okay, I need to avoid that. So I need to start judging myself so I can be better so that other people won't judge me. So now we start internalizing all those messages of how I don't look good enough. I need to fix this. I'm not whatever. Right. So we start to actually start to create little traumas against ourselves. And that just continues to chip away at our confidence over time. Yeah. It's a slow fade. Mm -hmm. I love that you pointed out the little T traumas. And I know I've done a couple of podcasts talking about the little T traumas and why I believe it's so essential for us to understand what little T trauma is. So just to kind of go over that again, I think it's always helpful. I believe that we learn through repetition. I'd love for you to unpack a little bit of what a little T trauma is so that the listeners can really let that land. Mm. Um, so we often think of traumas as being like a huge thing, like abuse, like that is a big, big trauma. And, you know, absolutely. There are people who, who have those things and they're very obvious that they happen. The little T traumas are like the little the little erosions that happen that we often don't even recognize are happening. Like that little comment that you hear that's a little passive passive aggressive that someone says to you. And it kind of just things at your confidence just a tiny bit. Over time, multiple actions, multiple of those experiences, they erode. It's like the, the river and the rock. Like over time, that rock is going to be worn down by that river. It doesn't take just one big hit to erode that rock. I mean, all those little, little things, they add up and they really can do a lot of damage. A lot of damage. And I think it's also important for listeners to recognize, I was talking about this on a podcast I was featured on a couple of weeks ago. So often we compare our traumas 
Mm. And what folks need to understand is that if I was bullied in first grade, maybe just kicked out of the cool girls club or whatnot, that might not have impacted or affected Sally that sat two desks down from me. She would have been like, I don't know who you guys think you are, but you know, if I can't be part of your club, I'm just going to go start my own over here. But for somebody, especially like myself, that was a raging empath, that experience to my little nervous system was trauma. Mm -hmm. And so to even entertain the idea of comparing our, our traumas is just needs to be taken off the table. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that everything is relative to our own experience. So, you know, I had a, I had a friend once who everything in her life was a catastrophe and then she got cancer and her whole threshold of what's a catastrophe changed and shifted. So I think whatever our experience is determines what we consider a big trauma versus a little trauma within our own experience and our own thresholds. Yes, absolutely. So what if, so does it always have to happen in childhood? Would you say, you know, what if it's somebody that was relatively confident in their childhood and middle school and high school and college? Is this something that can start to happen even in early adulthood? Absolutely. Yeah. I, I think for me, a lot of it did happen as an adult, you know, I think it was gradual. It started as a kid, but then it, you know, gradually grew as an adult because in corporate, like we're constantly getting performance reviews and being told how we need to improve. And as someone who was a people pleaser, they could give me five pieces of positive feedback and one piece of constructive criticism. And I would take that one negative thing and just like internalize it and say, oh my gosh, I'm not good enough. I'm never going to succeed. Like all the things. And so it can happen at any time of our lives, but I think it's not something we're born with so much as something that we, it gradually happens as we mature and as we live our lives. Yeah. And so you'll see people, you know, in their thirties, forties who are struggling with their confidence. And maybe it was really great for a while. And then this one thing happened, they got a really bad performance review or they had some, you know, their husband decided to leave them, whatever it might be. There could be a specific circumstance that suddenly gave them like a confidence, like a critical confidence challenge that they have to deal with. Yeah. And that's a real thing. I'm, I'm thinking of, you know, my own story with grades struggling in school, our society, our culture. And as you mentioned, the workplace, it's not set up to really foster this authentic confidence because, mm-hmm. you know, what you put in is what you get out. So if you get a C or a D in math, because let's face it, Math is not everybody's zone of genius. Certainly was not mine. My zone of genius was all the soft skills, the listening, the compassion, the holding space for people, the curiosity. That's typically not valued a whole lot in the school system Mm -hmm. and certainly not life in general. Now that's shifting as the planet becomes more conscious. You know, we're really starting to learn about holding space for each other and the depths and the intimacy of our relationships and whatnot and how those skills are so important. But in general, society, culture is not set up for folks that maybe don't have some of those strong, tangible type skills. Mm -hmm. And so then 
when we base our confidence, when nobody is sort of, I like to use the word debunking that at home or, you know, wherever saying, no, this is not who you are. I see you struggling. I see you struggling in algebra. It's okay. We're going to get through this. This, this D is not who you are. A lot of us didn't have that or don't have that. And so there's where that agreement is made. That limiting belief is, is bought into that. I must be a dumb person or I'm not okay. Mm -hmm. And then we internalize that to mean what we're worthy of love. Like if I'm not good at school, if I'm not good at my job, if I don't get promoted, if I'm not successful, then I'm not good enough as a human being. I'm not worthy of love. Yeah. Yeah. What advice would you have, Jen? Because I know you did work specifically in the corporate space for that woman that is struggling a little bit in the, in the culture that is, you know, the performance reviews, maybe she gets a bad review. Maybe it's not exactly up to her standards. What would you say to her? Oh, so the performance reviews, I think that's a great place to kind of dig in. So one thing I like to remind people is when someone tells you, they give you some feedback, first of all, feedback is a gift. I mean, they don't have to tell you, hopefully it's something that's positive that's going to help you. Um, but it's also just an opinion. It's their opinion and they may or may not be right about it. So I, I encourage people to consider the feedback that's given in a constructive way, but also recognize that even if they tell you that you're not good at something, that's their opinion. That doesn't mean it's quote unquote true, right? There might be two sides to that story. Um, and also a lot of times the way that people and what people say to us, how they treat us has a lot more to do with themselves than it has to do with us. And so a lot of times when we hear people speak to us in a certain tone, we think that we deserve this, that apparently we did something wrong. And it could be that they're having a bad day because of something at home that has nothing to do with you. Yeah. Yeah. How often do we give meaning to a story and let our minds just spiral yes. out of control? And, and one thing I'll add too is don't negate the positive feedback you get. Like me, like I would fixate on the negative, even though they tell me like five great things about me, one thing I can improve, give your brain equal airtime to those positive things as well. Yeah. Yeah. I really love the conversation of feedback. Mm-hmm. I actually try to challenge myself to receive feedback from folks that I respect that are out in the world, you know, doing things maybe a little bit further than me on my journey. Um, And so I will receive feedback from them about once a year or so. And it's a really beautiful way for me to, to grow and to see where some of my blind spots in fact are. But to your point, it's with people that, A, I know are going to be relatively gentle. They're going to tell me the truth, but they're going to, they're going to wrap it in just this beautiful, gentle grace. And it's people that know me and that I value their feedback. I'm not going to ask Johnny down the street to give me feedback if, if I barely know him, right? So you do have to, to your point, you have to keep that in mind. But I think what I really would love for listeners to walk away, this feedback piece is understanding that feedback can be a beautiful gift. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And 
one thing I'll add too is I like to consider what's the reason behind the person giving you that feedback. Because sometimes people will tell you things, negative things about yourself because it helps them feel better about themselves as opposed to the people that you know and you trust and you have a relationship with who really are trying to help you because they really believe that you could grow and do more and better and everything. And they want to help you and they want to support that. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have any recommendations, Jen, for that person that is listening, thinking, well, yeah, but that sounds great, but it's so hard when I get that feedback or, you know, when I get that email that just is like a stab to the heart. I mean, it's easy to say these things, but it hurts. Mm -hmm. It hurts. Do you have any tips for that person that really is kind of camped out there? Yeah. So one of the, one of the hard lessons that I'm still learning is that we cannot control the outside circumstances of our lives. We can't control how other people treat us. They can't, we can't control how they see us. Even if we try to be perfect, we're never going to be perfect, right? We can never control all that stuff outside of ourselves. We can only control what we do with that input for ourselves. And so we can filter, you know, what we hear through like, what is helpful and a helpful way to think about this feedback that I got. Because we could sit there and shame spiral ourselves. I totally have done that. And that stops us from being able to move forward and improve and even feel good about who we are as a people, as a person. Like I personally have set an internal boundary. I'm not going to do that to myself. Or we can have compassion to ourselves, even when we make a mistake, because we're human. Everyone makes mistakes, right? No one's perfect. No one is. Yeah. I like to even say there's no such thing as perfection. And truthfully, if we were all perfect, like it would be a very boring world because we'd all be like clones of whatever this cookie cutter perfect thing is. And it it would be very boring. Very boring. Yeah. It'd be like vanilla land. (laughs) Yeah. I love the diversity and all the different ideas and different ways that people show up. And I love when people embrace their authentic, unique, crazy, strange selves. Yeah. Makes life so rich. Yes. Yeah. You mentioned something about the internal boundary and that mean girl voice and setting that boundary with her Mm -hmm. that you're not going to speak to yourself that way. How do you recognize that it's happening? I find that so often we have the thought and it's just so enmeshed with the feeling. And then it's just like this big ball of thoughts and feelings and all of the things. Mm -hmm. So what do you do to actually slow down enough and recognize, oh, there she is. It has taken some time to build that awareness. I'll tell you, coaching has definitely helped me with that. But one thing I do is I have a practice and I recommend this to my clients too, of doing a thought download, especially when you're feeling like all the like anxiety or the stress or the shame or whatever, like all those negative emotions that you're feeling, your brain is spinning with all the thoughts. Excuse me. So I like to just get out a piece of paper and dump all that stuff that's swirling around in my brain onto a piece of paper to first of all, calm it down because it gives our brain a chance to know that it's been heard. Yeah. Like our brain is like, Hey, you need to pay attention. This is really important. It's like, okay, fine. You're going to get your say that inner critic's going to get its say. And then I get to look at what I wrote and decide what I think about it. Mm. Yeah. Thank you for not telling it to shut up. (laughs) 
That is, I will be honest, that is one of my pet peeves. When I see folks telling their inner critic to shut up, they're going to fire it, they're going to banish it. What we resist persists. And now Mm -hmm. we've just stepped into judging the inner critic. So now we're actually perpetuating that judgment and that fear. So I love that you shared, give it space, let it be there, let it hang out for a little bit, see what it has to say. Yeah. I mean, it really does have good intentions. Like it's there because it wants to protect you. And sometimes it goes about it in a way that doesn't feel good, but sometimes it has something that we need to hear. And so when you give it a chance to have it say, then it, first of all, it calms down, you feel better. But then also you can use your more, your more evolved brain to think about, okay, now that's what this part of my brain thinks, the part that's always looking for danger, just like the gazelle. Yeah. And you mentioned that in one of your podcasts with the gazelle who's always scanning for danger. Like, okay, that's one part of my brain. Now, what do I think about that? There might be some truth in here too, but there might be, you know, another lens to also look at the situation. Yeah. Yeah. Love that. Love that. Okay, Jen, tips, tips to help the listeners activate their confidence. What do you have for us? I'm all about those small steps, like you mentioned earlier. So, because I really think of like, this is like building a muscle. It's like, you know, right now you might be lifting a two pound weight because you're telling yourself that you suck (laughs) and you want to eventually get to where you can lift a hundred pound weight of believing that you're amazing. You're not there yet. If you try to tell yourself that right now, it's not going to feel good, right? Because you're just not believing it. So I'm all about making small incremental steps. So it can be about uh, finding a thought that feels a little bit better for you that you actually believe and practicing that thought, such as I could, you know, maybe I'm not good at this now, but I'm learning it, right? That could be an example. Um, Reminding yourself of the true things that are positive as well as the negative that your brain offers to you. Like like our brains will tell us like, nobody loves us. And we're like, well, wait a minute. There's this person over here and this person, I have all these friends and like, they all care. And like, we need to remind ourselves of those things. So little steps of intentionally having exercises where you mentally remind yourself of those things. Um, Earning trust with ourselves. Again, with like little micro goals, showing yourself that you can rely on yourself showing yourself that you can confide in yourself and that you're trustworthy, that you're going to hold that. And then with the willingness to feel any emotion, it's like stretching your comfort zone in little tiny steps, like do something that's a little bit scary, just a little bit, but also kind of fun Mm -hmm. and see, first of all, that you didn't die, (laughs) that, you know, you were able to get through it. Even when it was difficult, you got through it, you're a survivor. And you just keep going a little bit, one little step at a time. Mm, I love that. Small changes lead to so much momentum. Absolutely. I love that. These are such beautiful, actionable steps that I think people can actually grab a hold of. You know, like you mentioned in the beginning of the podcast, you stumbled upon a podcast that was the how. Mm. You know, we, it's great to talk in, in theory and esoteric. And there's a point where we have to have tangible action steps. Well, how, what's something that I can actually pick up and build that bicep muscle? Yes. I love that. Absolutely. You know, as you were talking about self-trust again, 
I was thinking about one of the greatest things that I have done or that I did to build myself trust muscle was to actually look back through a little bit of my timeline and see where my intuition was screaming at me, but I chose to acquiesce. I chose to put my power in the hands of somebody that I thought had more degrees than me or that had a stronger presence than me, a stronger personality than me, maybe was more likable than me. Um, and I chose to give my power to that and move into that people-pleasing patterning versus, no, my body's telling me something. There's a red flag. There's an alarm bell going off. There's a warning signal. I, I just ignored it because I didn't have that self-trust. So going back through my timeline and looking at, oh, remember when so-and-so said something to you and it felt off? That's because a year later, you really learned it was off. (laughs) So that was something else that I think was just really helpful for me to go, wow, my intuition was there with me, talking to me all along, but I wasn't listening. Yes. I love that. I definitely have had that experience too, because my whole life, I kind of had this fantasy daydream of being an entrepreneur. And I never believed that I was capable of that. I had all these stories about I'm lazy and whatever. Right. And just, I didn't honor that in myself. I didn't honor that belief that I had within myself. So it took time for me to build trust in myself, to really recognize like and confide in myself, like what I really think about it for you, like confiding to yourself that you don't agree with what that person said. Yeah. Yeah. And we can even still, you know, back to the boundary piece. What's so cool too, is once we really become confident and stand in our truth and practice healthy boundaries, we can not spend so much time maybe kicking people to the curb, avoiding people, because we're standing in our truth and we've almost become sort of unshakable. And so it really gives us the opportunity to enter into these conversations where we don't necessarily agree. You mm-hmm. and I probably don't agree on everything. I would, I would guess because we're, we've had different experiences. We're different people, but we can still have beautiful dialogue and be respectful of each other's stories and our experiences. And that's so much, I think, of what we're seeing in the world today is so many people are divided internally that it's leaking out of them externally. And there's so much chaos and drama in folks' lives. Mm -hmm. Right. We can disagree without it being like, you're a bad person. We just have different opinions. Yeah. That's not a bad thing. We're different people. Yeah. But I think back you know, to this whole conversation, when you're confident in who you are, you can do that. When you're not confident in who you are and you don't have those internal boundaries and you're not leaning into authenticity and honesty and integrity, all of, all of those beautiful words, it's really hard Mm -hmm. to be in relationship with other folks because the relationship with yourself isn't there. Right. And you start doubting like, well, maybe they're right. Maybe I'm wrong. Or we get defensive 
and we want to argue with them to validate ourselves because if they're not convinced then we can't be convinced in ourselves as well. Yes. Yes. Yeah. That's one that I actually had to, to work on quite a bit too, was my constant defending of myself. That wasn't easy. And I still notice that can come up from time to time in certain relationships, not in all relationships, but there's particular relationships where I have to check in with myself and go, Oh, did you hear your tone? (laughs) So Mm -hmm. again, back to the, it's all a beautiful journey. We're all in it together. Absolutely. Love that. All right. So you've got uh, a freebie that you'd like to share with the listeners. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. It's my three secrets for feeling more confident. And so I really break down more about the the self-regard, the self-trust, the willingness to feel each emotion. And I have tips for specifically how to practice those to build your confidence. Oh, awesome. Can't wait to check that out. I know the listeners are going to think the same. Awesome. Thank you for sharing that with us. And you're on most social media platforms. Yeah. LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, all of the places. Yes. Awesome. Jen, thank you so much for hanging out with me today and sharing something that you're so passionate about. I know this is going to help listeners immensely. Absolutely. I certainly hope it helps them. And thank you. This has been a fun conversation. If you like this episode or you're a fan of the Becoming Boundaried show, the best way you can show your support is to share it on your social media outlets and with your family and friends. And if you're feeling really generous, we would love for you to hop on over to iTunes and give us a review. Thank you for listening and thank you for being a part of this community. Have an amazing week and as always, Stay true to you.